We're going to look uh, this evening at a a passage. We're going to look at Psalm 16. Uh, Derek briefed me in an email uh, to have a celebratory and thankful theme, which was good. I was going to aim for kind of miserable and ungrateful, so it was good to to get the heads up that that wasn't really the vibe. Uh, But good to be able to kind of celebrate uh, the fact that we're able, uh, as God's people, uh, wherever we're from, whatever congregation we're part of, uh, to have that, that fullness of joy uh, that this psalm uh, is going to speak to us uh, about. Just a bit of background uh, before we turn to our passage, and, and one of the reasons I was keen to, to look here uh, this evening, when we began uh, Haddington Community Church back in sort of 2017 into 2018, uh, as I was just saying before, uh, we spent a bit of time thinking about uh, and speaking about our, our values as a church. What is the kind of church Uh, that we want to be, Uh, what are the kind of things we would want people to say of us if they came and if they spent a little bit of time with our church family. And and we came down to really the kind of fundamentals of the centrality of the Bible and the necessity of prayer, that everything else uh, builds on that, which I'm sure is is the same uh, for churches across the land, certainly the same here at St. Columbus. Uh, And then building on that, uh, we spoke and we still speak about being a welcoming community, uh, that people would be brought in uh, and find a home with us as a church, that we would be a growing community, uh, not just that more people would join us, but that we would be growing uh, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We'd be deepening our relationship with him, uh, that we would be a serving community, looking to use our gifts and our abilities for the good of the church, uh, for the good of one another, and for the good of our community Uh, And then finally, and really over and above all of that, that we would be uh, a joyful community. Uh, We said from the beginning of our church that if the foundation is the gospel, literally the good news uh, of Jesus Christ, well, then we want to demonstrate that good news uh, in the way that we live. We want to live that out uh, in joy, uh, that people might look on us and say, well, they must know something good, uh, and I'd like to hear about that, uh, that we would be joyful people and a joyful community, and I know that that joy uh, is a feature of St. Columbus as well, uh, and something I think I really kind of recognize in the other uh, St. Columbus church plants too, really as as part of the the DNA uh, of this parent church. So it's really good to look at that uh, together. I hate to break it to you, uh, Scottish people are not renowned for their kind of outgoing uh, displays of joy. Uh, Christians don't always have that kind of reputation as, as people of joy. Uh, when it comes to kind of Presbyterians in our, in our stereotypes, we're really kind of scraping at the bottom of the joy barrel. Uh, so perhaps uh, our expectations here are low, but actually uh, we're going to see why the Bible says that we not only can have joy, but that we should have joy. We must have joy. Uh, being a community marked by joy is not an impossible goal, uh, but it's something uh, that the gospel moves us towards. That doesn't mean, and we'll say this again and again, that doesn't mean Uh, that we're always grinning and pretending that everything is fine. It doesn't always mean uh, putting a brave face on everything. Now, that is not the biblical picture of life or of joy. Uh, But it does mean there is that deep joy uh, we can hold on to, uh, whatever our circumstances. And and Psalm 16 helps us with that. So let me uh, read the psalm now. If you do have a Bible, uh, you can turn along there, page 453, and I think it will be perhaps on the screen as well. But this is Psalm 16. Uh, and we'll read the whole of that psalm. Uh, A miktam of David. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. 
As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrow of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Uh, Well, you might well know the, the book of Psalms is this incredible book of of songs, uh, of poetry, uh, right in the middle, right at the heart uh, of the Bible. And like the best songs, the best poetry, uh, it's writing that really connects uh, with the the emotions. Uh, It's writing that brings truths from our our minds down into uh, our hearts. So if we're ever tempted perhaps to think uh, that Christianity is a bit dry and dusty, uh, or that it doesn't really connect with real life, or it doesn't understand how I feel, Uh, Well, the book of Psalms uh, is a great place to turn uh, to put ourselves right. The Psalms are full of joy, uh, but also full of suffering. Uh, They're full of praise to God, uh, but also crying out to God in times of hardship. They're full of the truth uh, of who God is, uh, but also the honest distress uh, about the psalmist's situation. And so as we think about joy uh, in the gospel, as we think about the church uh, as a joyful community, uh, the Psalms are a great place for us to turn uh, to encourage us because they are, they are realistic, aren't they? They're not kind of shallow and happy-clappy. They are deep and genuine. They have the highs, but also the lows, uh, often right here in, in the same Psalm. Uh, and so again, a great place to turn because that is what our, our lives alike, isn't it? And that is the case here in Psalm 16. If you flick over to the end of the psalm, uh, you'll see it finishes with those incredibly uh, joyful verses. Verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, what an incredible close to that psalm, and that's where we're we're heading towards. Uh, But note the psalm also doesn't start in that place. Uh, Verse 1, preserve me, O God, for in you I I take refuge. Uh, This psalm really begins with a a cry for help, with a cry for rescue, the psalmist needing shelter. And so this psalm really leads us on this journey uh, from feeling somewhat uh, overwhelmed, uh, from needing help, refuge, things that's being too much for us, uh, to ultimately finding that, that fullness of joy that we're talking about. And that is not because the the challenges of life disappear. That's not what happens in this psalm. There's there's no verse in the middle that says, suddenly uh, all the bad things went away. Uh, No, it is by finding hope in God uh, through all of these challenges. So then what is this this path uh, to joy uh, that the psalm lays out? Joy which is certain uh, and solid, a joy that is not uh, dictated by our circumstances. Uh, I want us to see three steps uh, in this psalm, or really maybe three stages, three, three signposts. This is not a, a click of the fingers, 
uh, and suddenly everything will just be, be happy days. Uh, but this is a path laid out for us to walk all of our days, even in the midst of uh, that struggle and challenge that comes to us all, uh, so that still uh, we can know, still we can live out uh, that fullness of joy which is promised. And so let's look at, at these three uh, stages. And the first one is this, the first marker laid out on this path for joy uh, is to look to God alone for satisfaction. Look to God alone for satisfaction. That is what David, who, who wrote this psalm, says in verse 2, I say to the Lord, you are my God. I have no good apart from you. It might sound kind of strange or, or counterintuitive, but the first step we see here to joy is to give up hope of finding it anywhere other than in God. It's in recognizing that only he can satisfy us. And so straight away we see how the, the message of Christianity is different from the message of the world. Uh, there is that, that similarity, there is that common goal in some ways. We're all looking for joy. People want joy, uh, and yet where do we find it? Uh, well, the world tells us to look, doesn't it, to our, our stuff for joy. Uh, the whole advertising industry is geared up uh, to show us what we need, what will make our lives fulfilling. If we just had this product, well, then we'd be happy. And obviously, uh, this all goes into overdrive at the moment, doesn't it, in, in the lead up to Christmas that we're in. And yet the Bible says that we will never find our lasting joy in these things. It says these things are, are basically little gods to us. It's exactly what Derek was saying to the young guys uh, just before. Now we try and put them in place of the true God, the glorious God, and yet they pale into insignificance in comparison beside him. But we don't recognize that. Now, that's what David is saying in verse 4. The sorrows of those who run after another God, that's anything other than the true God to try and find our satisfaction. Uh, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Now, uh, we can pick uh, in our world from a whole range of gods. Uh, they can be different religious gods or they could be different uh, secular gods of, of possessions, of fame, of, of wealth, of the new extension that we'd like to be uh, keeping up with the neighbors. Uh, we can choose any of those things as gods to run after, as the ultimate thing uh, we think will bring us meaning, will bring us joy. But the Bible says uh, those paths lead to sorrow, uh, to unfulfillment, uh, to a lack of satisfaction, that they don't provide what they promise. Uh, there was a, a fascinating article in the uh, Harvard Business Review uh, last year. It was called Three Things uh, That Won't Make You Happy. Uh, and the summary of the article uh, read like this. It said, number one, money. Uh, once a person's needs are met, more money rarely leads to greater happiness. In fact, too much money can lead to increased loneliness and anxiety and complicate our relationships. Number two, likes. Millions of people seek the dopamine hit of likes and views on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, or other platforms, believing that more social media friends and, and attention will mean a greater sense of worth. But emerging evidence shows that social media use and happiness are inversely correlated. Now, the third and final one was stuff. It said accumulating material possessions doesn't improve life satisfaction and can actually lead to deeper feelings of anxiety, insecurity, and emptiness. Uh, fascinating there, isn't it? How the, kind of the research there backs up 
uh, what the Psalms were saying thousands of years ago. Not just that these things can't satisfy, uh, that these things are actually a, a downward slope. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. And it's important to say here that, that Christians uh, and the Bible are not against all of these things. Uh, that there are plenty of good things uh, in our, our world to be enjoyed, but the problem comes when we, we look to them instead of God. And uh, so the Bible says to enjoy good things, but to remember, to remember that even if they are all stripped away, uh, that if we have God, uh, we still have enough. Uh, we still have all that we need. Uh, really, why is it that God satisfies and other things don't? It's because it comes down to what we were designed for. Uh, that we were made in the image of God as, as relational beings. Uh, we were made to be in relationship with God. That's where our joy comes from. We weren't designed uh, as consumers. Uh, we were designed for relationships. And we might then ask that question, well, if that's the case, uh, why can I not find all of my joy and, and pin my hopes in a, in a partner or, or in family or in friends? And again, we'd be keen to say, well, these are good things. Uh, and yet it is not fair on those people uh, to put them in the place of God. Uh, people will let us down, and we will let other people down. If our joy, if all our satisfaction is depending on and resting on a person, we'll, we'll ultimately crush that relationship. We'll, we'll spoil what is good by trying to make it the ultimate thing. And it is only God who can bear that weight, only God who can truly satisfy. And that's what David says there in verse 5, isn't it? The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. And it's not God plus this nice place to live. It's not God plus all these friends who kind of like me and, and say positive things about me. It's not God plus financial security. It's not God plus things going well at church. It is God alone where joy is found. Uh, Jesus, uh, David sorry, throws his whole lot in with, with God and says, you and only you are, are who I'm going to look to. That is his beautiful uh, inheritance, it says, verse 6. That is the lines uh, that have fallen in pleasant places. David isn't speaking there about his, his property portfolio. He's talking about his relationship with God. He is satisfied uh, because he has God himself. And so there's that, that first step in this psalm, uh, on the path to joy, to, to realign our focus and our reliance, to look uh, to God alone for our satisfaction, to look to God alone for our joy. And we'll step two then, and we'll, we'll be briefer here, the, the second aspect of this journey. And remember, we're not saying uh, this is simple, uh, you know, just do one, two, three, and, and you're done, happiness for, forevermore. Uh, no, these are our attitudes, these are truths that we have to work at, uh, that we have to pursue uh, we don't want to present this as a, a quick fix uh, in any way. But step two is to know uh, that as we cast our lot in with God, as we look to him alone for satisfaction, that God will guide us and he will protect us. Uh, and this is verse 7 onwards, really. It's all very well, isn't it, saying, well, just give everything to God. Uh, look to him for your joy. It's very easy for me to say that uh, from here. Uh, but how? Or, or, or why can we do that? Now, David here really gives us a list of why this is a good decision, of why it makes sense uh, to put our focus and our hope on God, on why we can do that with real uh, confidence. Have a look at verses 7 and 8 there, where we see uh, God gives us counsel, it says. 
He gives us instruction. It says he goes before us. He is always beside us. The big point is that this is a God who we can rely on. Uh, If we put our hopes in other things, or when the the chips are down, they'll fold. Uh, Whatever stuff we have, that will seem insignificant when our our loved ones are in a time of sickness. Uh, Whatever relationships we build, there will be situations that they just cannot help us with. Uh, There will be questions they do not know the answer to. And so David is able to say these incredible words, and at the end of verse 8, because his, his trust is not in his stuff, not in other people, but in God alone, he's able to say, I shall not be shaken. And aren't they just words that we would love to be able to say uh, when the storms of life come? I shall not be shaken. Uh, Aren't they words that we'd love to be able to say when when difficult things hit us and all the other things we realize are so shaky in our lives? I shall not be shaken. Uh, One of the commentators on this passage says that phrase can be said in in two ways. In the first way, it can be said in sort of pure bravado, really, where it says, well, I won't be shaken. You know, I can do this. I'm strong. Actually, the meaning here is so different. And it's not pride. It's not self-reliance. It's not about my strength. Uh, But it is due to this trust in God that David has been laying out. It's because he is at my right hand, the verse says, uh, I shall not be shaken. Uh, This is a God who is with us, uh, who we can trust. Uh, And as we read on into verse 9, the consequence of this is joy. Verse 9, therefore, my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure. We have joy uh, because God is beside us in every situation. Uh, and will not let us down, and that's now. Uh, and this psalm makes really clear that that is into the whole of eternity. Uh, and here's where we see even more clearly, even more abundantly, uh, that God can offer what nobody else can. Uh, verse 10, there is security even beyond death. Verse 11, there are pleasures forevermore. Uh, there is no end to the joy that comes when we throw our lot in with God, uh, because there is no end to his care and his protection of us. And again, to emphasize here, uh, we're not talking about pretending everything is fine. We're not talking about just a surface-level kind of veneer of happiness. Uh, We're saying even in the deepest and darkest times, even in the times when we weep for ourselves and we weep with others, uh, the gospel gives us a joy that continues through our weeping uh, because it shows us a God who is with us in the midst of those times, and who promises that he will bring us to his eternal home with him, where weeping will be no more. God will lead and protect. So this psalm says we find our joy from moving our security, our hope, our focus from things to God. And as we do that, knowing that God won't let us down. God will lead, God will protect. The final thing I want us to look at this evening, really which is the key which holds all of this together, really the key to this psalm about the journey from being kind of overwhelmed to finding joy, and that key is this, the third thing, to look to the risen Lord Jesus. Third and finally, look to the risen Lord Jesus, because actually it is Jesus who is the fulfillment of this psalm. Now, how do we, how do we know that? Well, it's because the New Testament actually tells us specifically that this psalm is about him. 
Uh, In the book of Acts, as the Apostle Peter speaks uh, to the crowds about Jesus, really his first great sermon recorded after Jesus had ascended, after Jesus had returned to heaven, uh, Peter quotes this psalm, Psalm 16. Uh, He says this, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I might not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you have not abandoned my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness in your presence. Uh, Peter picks up on this Psalm 16 and then he asks the question, well, who is this Holy One? Uh, who didn't see corruption? Uh, Who is this one who didn't remain in death? He says it's not David who wrote the psalm uh, because he is dead and gone and we can show you where he's buried. Uh, But he continues, Acts 2 verse 31, he says of David that he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. Uh, It is Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the one who was brought back from beyond the grave. Uh, whose soul did not see decay. He is the fulfillment of this psalm. Uh, Jesus truly is the only one who, who fully trusted and looked to God rather than the things of this world. Uh, and so we want to strive to do that. We can grow in doing that. But there will always be uh, these times when we fail. Uh, there will always be times when we find ourselves looking elsewhere. We, we sang that, that great line at the beginning of, of that song we've just sung. Mine are days that God has numbered. I was made to walk with him, uh, yet I look for worldly treasure and forsake the king of kings. Uh, we know that is not the way to joy, um, but we still do that. Time and time again we fail. And yet when we turn to Jesus, the fulfillment of this psalm, we see he did that perfectly on our behalf. And so that means that that our joy is found ultimately uh, in trusting in what he has done uh, and not our own efforts. Uh, And that is why, more than anything else, that is why this joy is so secure. uh, Because when we have a bad day, uh, when we find ourselves looking in the wrong places, uh, this is not all out of the window. Uh, but it continues because it is, is grounded on what Jesus has achieved. Now we keep on looking to Jesus, the one who perfectly looked to God alone for his satisfaction. But not only did Jesus uh, look to God perfectly uh, in his life, uh, he also then died a death in our place, which he did not deserve. And again there we see really the, the second aspect of what we were looking at this evening. We see the ultimate display of God's faithfulness, uh, that God is one who will lead us and guide us, that he is one that will not let us down, that he will not abandon those who look to him, uh, that God truly does lead and protect, and he has done that through Jesus, uh, who has opened that door and who will lead and guide and protect us uh, all the way to our, our heavenly home with God the Father, where there is joy forevermore. Uh, Again, Peter says in Acts, God raised him up, uh, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Ultimately, to find joy, uh, to find joy in a difficult world uh, where we go through difficult circumstances, where we need refuge, and we look to the risen Jesus, uh, we identify ourselves with him, we put our trust in him uh, because he perfectly looked to God alone. And through him, God has shown us uh, his perfect faithfulness and opened that door to a perfect eternity with him. We can have that proper joy, whatever our situation, 
uh, whatever is going on in our life, uh, because if we're following Jesus, we know that we too uh, will be raised just as he was, uh, that he was the firstborn from the dead, uh, but that we follow in his footsteps, that through him we are brought into the very presence of God now and for all eternity. And as we said, as as Psalm 16 concludes, in his presence uh, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Uh, We have access to that place through Jesus. And so we have real reason uh, to be joyful. And and notice, as we said before, nowhere in this psalm has it ever said, has it even hinted uh, that that life will be easy. Uh, That if we get these steps right, the things that we find difficult will just fade away. Uh, And actually, as we draw to a close, perhaps our metaphor we've been using even isn't quite right. This isn't a journey from from suffering to joy. Uh, It's actually signposts to joy, uh, even in suffering, isn't it? It's a real joy as through Jesus we are brought into the presence of God, and it's there, and and in seeking him above everything else, uh, that true joy is found. As we cast our lot in with God, recognizing only he can satisfy as we know that he is faithful, he will protect and stand by us. And as over and above everything else, we look to the risen Lord Jesus who has done this perfectly for us and brings us into the presence of God and the joy that brings now and forevermore. Now let me just finish then with two kind of quick thoughts about how we might apply this, the difference this might make to our lives Uh, this week. Number one, uh, to think about this as we look out, uh, and I'm just so struck as we we look at this psalm, as we think about that joy, uh, what a brilliant message this is for us uh, that we get to share with other people. Uh, So often, I'm sure I'm not the only one who who finds it hard uh, to speak about Jesus, to speak about what I believe, to speak about my faith. Uh, we're not sure what to say. Do we have to tell people uh, these kind of complicated bits of theology? Is there lots of rules and things like that inv- involved? If you're here uh, this evening and you're not a Christian, you might think, well, well what is it that these Christians really want from me? Uh, actually, uh, we have a, a message that says, you know, do you want a, a joyful life? Uh, not in a simplistic way, uh, not in a naive way, uh, but do you want this life where even if everything was stripped away from you, Uh, you'd still be able to say at the deepest level you have pleasures forevermore. Uh, Do you feel uh, that so much of what the world has offered has has flattered to deceive and has failed uh, to bring the satisfaction it promised? Uh, And we have that incredible privilege of being able to say, well, here is someone, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, who brings that joy. What a great message uh, that is for us to be able to share Uh, And then secondly, I suppose, looking in, thinking of ourselves uh, as church congregations, um, so important that we don't ever feel this message of being a joyful community means that we cannot share uh, our difficulties or our sorrows with one another, uh, that somehow that would make us a failure, that we're not doing it right if we're not kind of grinning from ear to ear. Uh, So important we remember as we close the whole point of the joy the gospel brings, the thing that sets it kind of head and shoulders above anything else, is that it is a joy that that can deal with sorrow. It is a joy that goes through sorrows, that goes through difficulties, goes through sadness. It is a joy that lasts through the storms of life because it isn't based uh, on what's around us, uh, but is based on the certain and unchanging truth 
of who God is and what he's done for us through Jesus Christ. And as a community of believers, uh, we're able to joyfully spur one another on to that joy uh, by pointing one another to him, pointing one another to him in the, in the good times when we celebrate, uh, but also pointing one another to him uh, when things are hard, uh, when times are tough, uh, but when God uh, is unchanging uh, and Christ remains the same for us. Let's, let's pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the joy that you have made possible for us uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, we thank you that in him you have opened the way for us to return to you, uh, to enjoy the fullness of joy that we find in your presence, uh, sharing with you in the relationship that we were designed for. And Lord, we thank you that is not a joy based on our circumstances or on things that come and go, uh, but that it is based fully and finally on what you've done for us. Uh, Lord, we confess that so often we wander, so often we look for joy in other places. Uh, but we thank you that because of Jesus' perfect faithfulness and obedience, that still we can return to you time and time again. Uh, we pray we will continually look to the risen Lord Jesus uh, as the demonstration of your victory uh, and of your faithfulness to your promises, uh, of the eternal life promised to all those who trust in him. Now we pray that our hope and our joy would be in him, uh, and that would be a certain hope, and that would be a joy that we're eager to share with others, and that we would live out boldly in our lives, in our relationships, in all the places that you put us. Now we pray that we would be your people, and that as your people, we would be marked by that joy that only the gospel can bring. And we pray all of these things for your glory, and in the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen.